0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We'll be beginning our reading in verse 12 through 26. You know, it's a beautiful thing that God has done. He's told us the end. We know how this is going to end. We know that every tribe, nation, nation, and tongue will be represented around the throne of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that God has done. All right, Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 12-26. I want to read that for you this morning. It says, this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. He said, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ and for and most of the brothers and most of the brothers that my imprisonment is for Christ and most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry but others from goodwill the latter do it out of love knowing that i am put here for the defense of the gospel The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let's pray. Father, we just pray now that, Lord, you would guide us as we look to your word. We pray, Father, open our eyes, open our minds, so that we can see the wonderful things that you have for us here in Philippians chapter 1. And so, God, please move in a powerful way through your Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in my opinion, when you think about uh, 2020, a word that best summarizes 2020, at least for me anyway, is the word canceled. I mean, much of our life experience this year, I think you would agree with me, has centered around the word "cancel." Much of our life has been that. I mean, you think about uh, early on in March, work was canceled, school was canceled, track was canceled, graduations were canceled, NCAA March Madness was canceled, sporting events were canceled, concerts were canceled, movie premieres were canceled, the Summer Olympics were canceled, weddings canceled. Funerals canceled, family gatherings canceled, flights canceled, mission conferences canceled, mission trips canceled. I mean, our year has been a year of cancel. Do you agree? We've felt the weight of that, haven't we? We really have. It's been, in many ways, discouraging. It's been disappointing in many ways this year. It has for me, I must confess to you, it's been very disappointing at times for me. In 2020. But if there's a word that I would look to to summarize 2020, it would be the word cancel. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He wrote to them to encourage them because when they found out of his situation, of his circumstance, when they found out about his imprisonment, it did send a ripple effect through the believers in Philippi. For them, they thought, if Paul is in prison, what does this mean for the gospel? If Paul's in prison, what does this mean for church planting? If Paul's in prison, what does it mean for us in Philippi? Because who's the founder of the church in Philippi? Paul. (laughs) Thank you, Todd. Paul. Paul was the founder of the church at Philippi. And so in their minds, they're thinking, if Paul's in prison, is the gospel canceled? Is church planting canceled? Is our church canceled? What does this mean for us that Paul is in prison? And so Paul writes to them to encourage them to let them know that it has not been canceled. The gospel has not been canceled. Church planting has not been canceled. Your church gathering has not been canceled because of my imprisonment. He writes to them to encourage them in that matter. And so we read in the text in verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Well, I have to pause for a moment when I read that phrase. I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me. Well, Paul, what has happened to you? What has happened? What is he referring to? Well, if you look back in Acts chapter 21 through 28, Luke records for us what he's talking about. What has happened to him? It includes these things. It includes him being falsely accused of things that he hadn't done. It refers to his arrest. It refers to his being beaten, literally tortured, being thrown into prison, languishing in Caesarea for two years, appealing to Caesar to say, I want to be tried before the highest court in the country, and then being sent to Rome where he's uh, going to be tried by Caesar. He's shipwrecked. He's, acu- he's abused there again. He's stranded on an island. He's bitten by a venomous snake with no ill effects. And then imagine then being taken on to Rome and spending two years in prison there and so paul says i want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel he says i want you to know that that it has served to advance the gospel because when you read this in acts 21 through 28 you would obviously think something has hindered the gospel From going forth. And Paul says to the contrary, no, it is going forward. And so Paul writes to the believers in Philippi, and he writes to them, he's not writing to them to complain about his imprisonment. He's not writing to them with a martyr syndrome. That looked at me, look at my situation, look what I've been through. It's not what he's doing. He's not asking for sympathy. He's not asking for postcards from the church of them saying, "Please, we're with you paul we're we're there for you, stay strong." He's not asking for anything." In fact, what he does here is very intriguing is what his main concern here is is to let them know how the gospel's doing. He wants them to know how the gospel is doing, how the gospel is moving forward. His desire is to encourage the believers with a word about how the gospel is moving forward even though he's chained like an animal. How the gospel is advancing. In fact, that leads us to our next thing to look at here in our text. In verse 12 he tells them he wants them to know what has happened to them and then he goes on and he uses this word, advance. This, This is a unique word. It's actually only used three times in the New Testament. All by Paul. Two times here in the book of Philippians and once in 1 Timothy. But he uses this word advance. What does he mean by the word advance? What is he talking about? What is he saying? The word advance just means this. It means progress. It means advancement. It means furtherance. It means it's moving out. It's moving out. And so, what Paul's telling the believers in Philippi is what you would think would be happening is that the gospel has been hindered, that the gospel's not going forward now because Paul's in prison. But what he tells them is it is moving out, it's advancing. Where is it advancing? That's the question. Where is it advancing, Paul? Paul tells us that the gospel is advancing outwardly. It's advancing out into the Word. First of all, the gospel is advancing in the world. It's going wide. It's going to a broad audience because Paul talks about this in, this, in these three contexts. He talks about the broader audience that the gospel is going to. He talks about how the gospel advancing is building courage in other believers and that it's going out as a clear message. It's going out as a clear message. What is the broader audience then? How is it going out into the, word, into the world? In verse 13, Paul says this. He says, So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. If you know anything biblically about an imperial guard, an imperial guard was made up of some nine to 10,000 soldiers. And Paul's saying that the gospel has been going out to these soldiers, well, how do you think it's going out to those soldiers? If you guys aren't going to talk, we're going to be here for a while. How's it going out to the soldiers? Where is Paul? He's in prison. He's chained. There's soldiers guarding him. And guess what's happening? During his imprisonment, he's sharing the gospel. He's telling them the gospel. And guess what? The gospel is advancing. It's moving forward. It's moving through. All the soldiers, they now know why the guy is there. Why he is imprisoned. What he's imprisoned for. It's because of his commitment to Christ and the gospel. And they now know that. Isn't that beautiful? At the end of the letter, which is one of my favorite things in all the New Testament, at the end of this letter, Paul's going to say to them, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So, so what they've tried to do and to slow the spread of the gospel and the advancement of the gospel has only advanced it. Has only advanced it. Paul is sharing the gospel with the soldiers and it has made its way, it has penetrated all the way to Caesar's household. It's amazing. And so the gospel is advancing to a broader audience. To the believers in Philippi, it might have seemed that the imprisonment of Paul would have hindered this, but Paul relieves them of this fear. By sharing how the gospel was moving forward. And because the gospel was advancing, courage was building. Courage was building. Because the gospel was advancing, courage was building. Look at verse 14. He, He says, And most of the brothers, and most of the brothers, what does he say? Having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak without what? Without fear. Courage was building. This one man, Paul, was lit aflame for the gospel and he was burning bright in prison. And as the believers heard this, what did it do in them? It didn't cause them to shrink back, it lit a flame in them to carry the gospel forward as they heard of Paul's imprisonment. So, Paul's imprisonment. Was building courage in the believers. He says, All that this that's happened to me is actually emboldening others to speak about Christ more freely with greater courage. What were they saying? What were they saying? What, they were courageous, but what were they saying? The third point is this, that the message was being made very clear. In verse 14, what does he say? And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the Word without fear. To speak the Word without fear. Notice this in verse 14. He says, speak the Word without fear. This preaching language. In verse 15, he says, preach Christ. Verse 17, proclaim Christ. Christ, verse 18, Christ is proclaimed. It's a clear message. It's a clear message. Not only is the gospel advancing among the imperial guards and has penetrated to the point of Caesar's household, but it's building courage among other believers. And what are they saying? What are they doing? What are they declaring? What are they proclaiming? And Paul's very clear about it. Christ the Word of God, Jesus Christ. I mean, how did the believers in Philippi hear it? How did the believers in Rome hear it? They heard it through the faithful proclamation of Paul. They heard it. And Paul says to them, in the same way you've received it, you must tell it. You must tell it. It's a message that must be communicated with words. The Gospel. Christ. The Word. It must be used with words. We learn this from Paul. We should all take note and learn and take heart from this. That no matter what hard place in which we find ourselves, God can use us to advance the gospel. No matter what hard place we find ourselves, God can use us to advance the gospel. Whether that is in your workplace, your college campus, your home, the Lord can use you to advance the gospel. That's what we see here in Philippians. You're not where you are by accident. You are where you are by divine appointment for the purpose of proclaiming the Gospel. Do you understand that? Where you are, you're there for divine, from divine appointment to share and proclaim the Gospel. I mean, we would think in 2020 that COVID had canceled The gospel. COVID hasn't canceled the gospel. It it hasn't canceled the gospel. The gospel is still going forward. Yeah, it may look a little different than it was before, but it's going out. It, it, It amazes me week in and week out over the last eight, nine months, talking to our church partnerships, talking to John Mark and Sherbrooke, hearing what God is doing among their body when they couldn't even meet, when they couldn't gather together what the Lord was doing, how God was bringing people to them through online services. People they would have never reached before have now logged on and they're hearing the gospel for the first time. Do you understand that for the first time? For the first time, hearing about Jesus Christ. The same is said of Emil and Hannah in Frankfurt, Germany. Just a few weeks ago, talking to Emil, he was telling me, he said, man, there are people who are connected to us in various parts of Germany that we would have never reached before. We would have never had the opportunity before. And now they've logged on and they are hearing of Jesus Christ. Columbus, same story. All over the world, the same story. You think about in Salt Lake City, my friend Matt Amati, who's a church planter in Salt Lake, just outside Salt Lake City, just a few months ago, talking to him, and he said, Man, the Mormon church is still closed. And guess what's happening? Mormons are finding somewhere to go, and they're going into some of these church plants that are out there, and they're hearing the gospel. So there are many things and many ways we can look at 2020 and be so discouraged. Do you agree? In so many ways, we've become so tunnel vision that we always see as disappointment. But God is doing a glorious thing in 2020. He's doing a glorious thing. There are people hearing the gospel who would have never heard it before because of what's happened. It's an amazing thing. For that, we ought to rejoice, shouldn't we? Because the Gospel's going forth. It's not being hindered. It's not being stopped. It's going forth. And we understand, and this is what Paul's trying to paint to the church, is this, is that there is no human being, there's no government, there's no philosophy that can chain up the Gospel. The Gospel will go forward. And He gives evidence of how it's doing that. There's evidence in our day of how it's going forward. It's not being stopped. God is raising people up everywhere to proclaim His gospel. Everywhere. I remember years ago being in the Middle East in an area where there really wasn't much gospel representation. In fact, in many towns, most of the people had never heard of Jesus Christ. Most people had never even seen a white person where we were at. And I remember us driving up this road. We were going to the northern part of the country, and we looked, and over in the mountains, there was this this town that was built out of the side of the mountain. And it just looked like it was just hanging on the side of the mountain. And we all got excited. We were like, man, let's go there. Let's stop there and share the gospel because there might have been 50 people there. Maybe. I don't know. Couldn't have been more than that. And so we make our way up into this, this mountain area. We get out of the van. And we begin walking into the town square. And you've got to understand the town square was about the size of this area right here. And there is a man standing there with a book. And he is reading out loud. He's reading these words in Aramaic, which is almost a dead language. Here's what he's reading. For Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, but being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And I remember our translator looking, and he starts grinning, and I'm like, what, what is, what's going on? He said, you're not going to believe it. This guy is preaching. He's preaching the gospel in Aramaic to anyone that would Listen. And we go there thinking there's no one preaching the gospel. And it was just a great reminder. A great reminder that the gospel's advancing. God has His people everywhere. Everywhere. It's a beautiful thing. Why? Because every nation, tribe, tongue, and language will gather around the throne, around the Lamb who was slain. He has His people. The gospel is advancing. When you think about what's going on internationally with our missionaries through the IMB, I don't have this year's stats yet. They haven't come out. But just last year, think about this 12,368 new churches were planted. Were planted. 89,325 new believers. 47,000 baptisms. 5,335 Three, 500, 535, 3, 300, 535, 325. I'll get it out in a minute. I can't say it. Heard the gospel. Half a million people heard the gospel. It's a beautiful thing. And this morning, all I want to do to you is encourage you. Don't despair, don't be disappointed hope in Christ. His gospel is not delayed. It's not hindered. It's not stopped. It is moving forward. It's moving out into the world. And so not only does Paul direct our attention to how the gospel is advancing in the world, but he also points us to how the gospel is advancing inwardly. You see this, not only does the gospel advance outwardly, but the gospel also advances within you and me. It advances in you and me. In verse 25, that's what he says. Notice what he says in verse 25. He says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress. That word progress is advance. Same word. And joy in the faith. And so the gospel's not only moving out, but it's moving in. Here's the second time Paul uses this word, it's in the same, the same word, same context, same format, everything. Paul says it this way, that it's advancing, it's progressing in you. He says the gospel is advancing outwardly because the gospel is advancing inwardly. It's connected. If the gospel is advancing in, within, it's also advancing without, into the world. It's critical that we see that. That they're not separated. They are connected. He is at work in us. He's at work in us. And that work He's doing in us is furthering the Gospel in us and outside of us. That's why Paul tells them that they were, in verse 5, partners in the Gospel. They were partners in the Gospel. So, so there's the question, is the gospel advancing within you? How would you answer that question? How would those who know you answer that question? Is the gospel advancing in you, I ask that question because the advance of the gospel is not something that we treasure and hold close to ourselves. But Paul says it needs to be visible; it needs to be evident to the people around us. That's the third time he uses the word in First Peter or First Timothy four, verse fifteen. The third time this word "advance" is used, he says, "Practice these things; immerse yourselves in them." So that all may see your progress. You hear that? Practice, immerse, so that all may see it. See the advancement of the gospel in your life. And so the logical question would be this: How would someone know? What, what are the marks? What evidence is this gospel is advancing more deeply in our lives? I mean, we could talk about it all over the New Testament, couldn't we? We could look at, for example, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We could talk about that. But what if we just limited ourselves to Philippians chapter 1? What if we just drilled down into Philippians chapter 1? What markers would we find? He he talks about these markers, about demonstrating the gospel's advance more deeply within us. Here are some of the things he talks about. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 25, he talks about a, a faith that is growing and a love for Jesus Christ. In verse 25, he says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your advancement, for your progress, and joy in the faith. Growing, advancing in the faith. How do we grow in the faith? One of the main means of which we grow, by which we grow, is through what? The Word of God. It's through the Word of God. As Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. How do we advance? How do we grow? How do we progress? Through the Word. Do you agree? It's being rooted in the Word. Delighting in the Word. Deepening your desire for it. Making time for it. It's through the Word. 1 Peter 2.2 Long for the pure spiritual milk that you may grow up into salvation. Without, Without spiritual food, there is no spiritual growth. You understand that? Without spiritual food, there is no spiritual growth. It's through the words of Christ. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The words. The word of Christ. The word of Christ. So the best way to acquire taste. It's to taste of it, to feast on it. Another mark that Paul points us to is an increase of love. In verse 9, look what he says. Not only will there be faith that's growing and a love for Christ, but in verse 9 he talks about a love for others. In verse 9 he says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Paul talks about a love that is deepening, a love that is growing. He's praying for an evident growing love. An evident growing love. He's praying for an ever abounding love. One worked out only by the Holy Spirit. That's evidence of the Gospel advancing in our lives. That we love. Jesus made it very clear in John 13, 34-35. That the way in which the world will know your mind is how? By the way you love one another. Paul prays that they would grow, that they would increase in love. Third, there's a growing courage. A growing courage. He talks about this in verse 20. He says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or in death. And so Paul says there'll be a growing courage. There'll be a growing courage in contrast to fear and anxiety that can just damage our lives. He says there is a courage through the power of the Spirit that whether in our life or in our death, what do we seek to do? We seek to honor God. There's a courage to do that. To honor Him. Fourth, verse 21-22. through 22, He says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. And so forth, he tells us, there's a growing detachment from this world. A growing detachment from this world. We're called to show that our treasure is not this world. It's not this world. We have Christ here and we get Him there. He is our treasure. There's nothing else that we treasure. There's nothing more precious to us than Christ. And there should be an increasing detachment from this world in our lives. There should be. If the gospel's advancing in you, you should see your desires for this world becoming less and less and less. And last, he says, Joy should be marked by joy. In verse 25, he says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. The last mark he talks about in verse 25 is joy. Joy in the faith. It's not just believing the right things, but he talks about delighting in it. It's not just knowing facts about God, but enjoying God. It's delighting in His holiness, His goodness, His sovereignty, His self-existence, His wisdom, His power, His righteousness. It's delighting in that. It's loving Him for who He is. It's much the same of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher and theologian of the 1700s, who who grew up knowing a lot of good things about God, who was catechized. He knew the answers. He knew the right answers. But it wasn't until age 21 that he knew who that person really was. Jesus. When His eyes were opened and He was able to see the beauty of God, the beauty of Jesus Christ, the beauty of salvation. Does that make sense to you? delighting in that it's not just knowing things about him and for me one of the most scary things that can happen in a church today is that we just know a lot of things about God but we don't love him we don't delight in him we don't desire him we don't have joy in him does that make sense So it's not just a growing desire to know about Him. It's a growing desire to know Him and to delight in Him and to find Him more beautiful than anything else in this world. And so this morning, I just want to end this way. The gospel is not canceled. The gospel's not canceled in going out into the world And the gospel's not canceled in your life if you're a believer. In in fact, if I've seen anything in my own life this year, it is the gospel's drilling down deep in my life. Changing me. What about you? Would you say that in your own life? That the gospel is drilling down deep? in you changing you making you into the image of his son are you growing in faith are you growing in love for christ are you growing in love for his people you have courage to honor and glorify god in life or in death do you sense in your life that there is a growing detachment from the things of this world Is there a love for God? A joy in faith? Is that happening in you? The gospel's not canceled. We are being changed for the glory of God. As John Newton once said, he says, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be, but still I'm not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. The gospel is going out, and the gospel is going in. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder that COVID hasn't canceled the Gospel. COVID hasn't canceled the Gospel from going forth into the world, and it hasn't canceled it going deep into our lives. And for that, Lord, we praise You. We praise You, Lord, for all those who have heard the name of Christ who would have not heard before COVID. And God, we praise You that in the midst of disappointing days and dark, trying circumstances, Lord, You have been purging us. You have been making us people into the image of Your Son. It hasn't stopped. And so, Lord, I would pray, increase Your work. Increase Your work in the world and increase Your work in us. And make us what You want us to be, God for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.